1: the ground. And the flames were sky-high, I mean, it's just, it's horrendous. A Port Coquilleb school destroyed by fire, how the community is reacting and why police believe it's suspicious, plus, sheltering in place as a ground offensive looms. (laughs) Countless Gazans can't get out as a fourth Canadian is killed in the Israel Hamas conflict and then rallying behind a BC athlete.
2: There's always more to push for and I know it's gonna be like a long road. A lot of bumps, there's gonna be good days and bad days, but honestly, I just have to keep
3: pushing.
1: The community support for Gavin Kamoshinsky, raising thousands to help in his recovery.
4: You're watching Global BC. This is Global NewsHour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight in Port Coquitlam where RCMP are investigating a suspicious fire that destroyed an elementary school this morning. Standard residents find themselves at a loss for words. And as Alyssa Thiebaud reports, hundreds of students and their parents are trying to sort out where they'll be going to school on Monday. The entrance to
5: Hazel Trembath Elementary engulfed by fire. Section after section gutted by a blaze that started in the middle of the night. Devastating, obviously, so I came down as soon as I could. The call came in just after 3 a.m.
4: It was on the outside of the school when they arrived and uh, they started firefighting right away. Unsprinklered building, so the fire got up into the attic and it, uh, it, it travelled quite quickly.
5: But the efforts of Port Coquitlam firefighters were no match for the raging inferno. Carmen is in grade four, joining the school two years ago after her family moved from Honduras.
6: This school was so important to me (laughs) because it was my my first school in
5: Canada. An entire community waking to the news their school is now gone.
7: I hopped in my car and came right away because I realised all the teachers were together, the principals here, the entire community is here. It's one of the best communities I've ever been a part of. This
5: is what's left of classrooms, hallways, a gymnasium, even an on-site
8: childcare. As a teacher my heart hurts for all the teachers all your life is in your classroom and that is all gone
5: what the community is struggling to come to terms with is this may have been deliberate RCMP are treating this fire as suspicious and are hoping to speak to any witnesses
9: if it was um, arson
6: it's just I, I can't even explain to you how sad this is for me today
8: I don't understand what anyone would be thinking trying to to do something like this.
6: The school district
5: is figuring out what happens now and where some 300 students will be going on Monday.
8: Our best case scenario obviously would be to able to keep uh, all the families and students together uh, in another building um, and it looks like we'll be able to do that.
5: The district will be contacting parents about next steps. Alyssa Thiebaud, Global News.
1: And a short time ago, we learned students will be moved to Winslow Center. A statement from school board chair Michael Thomas says, in part, we know after a trauma like this, that it is important to keep the school community together so that they can help heal and support one another. And teachers and staff will begin setting up their classrooms Monday, and we hope to have students attending by midweek. A 46-year-old woman is dead after a stabbing in New Westminster. Police were called to Suzuki Street near Salter Street just after 5 last night where they found the victim, Koh Wan Kaur, with life-threatening injuries where she died on scene. 57-year-old Balvir Singh was taken into custody. Police say he has now been charged with second-degree murder. IHIT says it appears the altercation was an isolated incident between family members. Anyone with information is asked to call police. To the Middle East now, where a fourth Canadian has died in the fighting in Israel and Gaza. Sheer Georgie was killed by Hamas from its attack last weekend. And this comes as Israel's military is ordering more than one million people to evacuate North Gaza ahead of an expected ground offensive, saying its aim is to dismember Hamas and its military. Krista Gumansing has the latest. <laughs>
6: Panicked faces and bloodied injured loved ones from the latest barrage of bombs dropped on Gaza. The need for medical care is overwhelming here and it will only get worse. Wearing a bulletproof vest, the Israeli Prime Minister shook hands with his soldiers asking if they are ready for what comes next. Benjamin Netanyahu vowed to crush and destroy Hamas following last week's deadly attacks on Israeli soil. The Israeli defense forces told people living in the north of Gaza to leave so they wouldn't be mistaken for Hamas fighters. Evacuating more than one million people in 24 hours was deemed impossible by the United Nations. Aziz Uh, Al-Khaloud has been assisting Global News with coverage from inside Gaza. uh, He tried to get his family out but turned back saying they couldn't make it happen. He recorded videos in his home showing some improvements he's made so they can shelter in place no windows i put it down here there. when the rockets or missiles rain down the vibrations won't shatter the glass causing injuries that is of course only if it's not a direct hit already more than 2000 palestinians have been killed in a week's time Israel says it only targets Hamas locations and officials. Hamas does have a history of setting up in and under civilian infrastructure. Despite Hamas telling people not to go, some did make it to the border crossing with Egypt, but no one made it out. Global News has been following Asiya Mathkur, a Palestinian-Canadian with two young children. She made it to the border after the government suggested Friday it may be a way to escape, but it wasn't.
7: My family in Canada right now, they're trying to reach global affairs, and they have no idea at all about
2: us and the borders and uh, uh, Rafah Crossing or anything. They have no idea about anything that we're going through.
1: Crystal
6: Gamansing, Global News.
1: Flights arranged by the Canadian government out of Israel continued today with Global Affairs Canada confirming 700 Canadians have been flown from Tel Aviv to Athens. From the Greek capital, Canadian evacuees and their families have been able to fly back to Toronto. The first flight landed last night full of passengers thankful to be home. More demonstrations supporting both Israelis and Palestinians are being held across Canada. Dueling rallies were held at Calgary's City Hall today as tensions rise over Israel's impending ground invasion of Gaza. Yesterday in Montreal and Vancouver, protesters blocked off roads chanting Free Palestine. The majority of recent demonstrations in Canada against the Israel-Hamas conflict have been pro-Palestinian. At the same time, the U.S. is doubling down on its support for Israel. Joel Senek has that part of the story.
3: Touching down in yet another country, America's top diplomat continues a whirlwind tour of the Middle East. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken in the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia Saturday putting the focus on the humanitarian toll of Israel's conflict with Hamas.
10: None of us uh, want to see suffering by uh, civilians on any side, whether it's uh, in Israel, whether it's uh, in Gaza.
3: Blinken's seven-country trip comes as troops prepare for a ground incursion into Gaza, a conflict the U.S. continues to warn others to stay out of.
7: And the West Bank has already been very uh, volatile in the previous uh, weeks. Uh, will, this, will we have a second front here? Will Iran and its proxies uh, come in?
3: A show of force is one strategy to prevent that. An American aircraft carrier strike group is already in the region with a second warship on the way. Secretary Blinken is urging allies to join in the call against escalation.
10: I know that our country agreed uh, that we uh, work together to make sure that to the best of our ability, this conflict does not spread uh, to other places uh, on other fronts.
3: The U.S. says it's also providing intelligence and planning assistance to the Israeli effort as it readies its troops near Gaza for what's expected to be an intense battle ahead. You have the buildings so people will be able to shoot down, that's one thing. But you also have the tunnels underneath, so they're going to have to literally consider a 360 fight, what's in front of them, left and right, and as well as what's behind them. Secretary Blinken will continue his diplomatic mission on Sunday in Saudi Arabia and Egypt before returning to Washington. His efforts also include a call to China, asking them to use their influence in the Middle East to stop the conflict from spreading. Joel Senek, Global News, Washington.
1: Still ahead, day six of the search for a missing Whistler senior.
4: Today's objective is to uh, increase our probability of detection uh, in some of the higher uh, probability areas.
1: Rescue crews across the Lower Mainland and Vancouver Island joining in the massive effort in search of 80-year-old Robert McKean. Plus, elevator talks stall. The tens of thousands possibly impacted as the union representing elevator workers in BC says it's been served a lockout notice. Search for a missing Whistler Sr. is now in its sixth day. 80-year-old Robert McKean has been missing since Monday. And today, more than 50 members of Whistler Search and Rescue were on the case, hoping to find any trace of him. Paul Johnson has the latest.
4: On Saturday, searchers fanned out once again in the Alpine Meadows area north of Whistler looking for any sign of 80-year-old Robert McKean and his dog, Lexi. Last seen out walking late in the morning, October 9th. So we're in day six today, and we, uh, we have a really great turnout from uh, right across southern B.C. At least 83 searchers took part in Saturday's effort. Scouring areas presumed to have the highest probability of locating McKean, who suffers from dementia past experience, tells search organizers that in cases like this, the subject is often located fairly close to home. The fall weather Saturday wasn't an obstacle to the search, but wasn't optimal either. Today was a a wet day. It rained all night. And uh, as you can see from the footage, uh, many of the uh, searchers are uh, not dry. And so quite often they need to come in and Uh, change their clothing. Uh, We serve hot lunches Uh, and as you can see they get right back out there and start searching again. If authorities have developed a theory about McKean's disappearance they haven't shared it publicly. They've said nothing to suggest foul play and though some of the trails have been closed because of a cougar in the area they've shared no suspicion of an encounter with a wild animal. As Saturday's search drew to a close, all options were still open, with a plan to assess their efforts and then talk with family about next steps. Paul Johnson, Global News.
1: The search continues today for Chelsea Anita Quah Heron. Helicopters are searching a wide area near Vanderhoof while crews scour the ground. The local First Nation has put out a call for help from search and rescue crews across B.C. and Yukon. The 29-year-old woman was last seen early Tuesday morning.
7: If she's out there somewhere that she calls home, you know, Chelsea, we want you back. We want you to call we don't know where we you are and we're very worried about you. And so if you hear this message, Chelsea, please call home and call your dad or call your mom because your family is very worried about you.
1: A community is coming together to show support for a Vancouver high school quarterback. Gavin Kamoshinsky suffered a broken neck in August after diving headfirst into Okanagan Lake. Julia Foy has more on how Gavin's teammates are rallying around their injured captain.
7: At the F45 Gym in East Vancouver, Saturday's morning workout is a fundraiser for a 17-year-old football player called Gavin Kamoshinsky.
10: He's always funny, always cracking jokes. Great player, super smart, threw the ball around really well. But I liked him more as a friend off the field, always cracking jokes in the hallway, super fun. He's a really, really good leader. He was, su- he was super talented, he was like one of the best quarterbacks I've seen in a l- really long time.
7: In August, the soon-to-be quarterback of the Notre Dame Jugglers had a diving accident in Okanagan Lake and was paralyzed from the shoulders down.
2: I was like flexing my arm and I got like, I think it was like 60 over something. I was like, yeah, it was definitely not right. I went higher.
7: I like that. After two months in recovery, Gavin is busy with a workout of his own.
2: It feels pretty good, like, you know, especially going from day one, not being able to feel my shoulders and move anything. It's big leaps and bounds, and it feels good, definitely, knowing that I'm getting some movement day by day.
7: His supporters are amazed at how far he's come if you see him now he's he's moving his arms and he's really trying to get those nerves firing and just to see the progress that he's made since then in such a short amount of time i have no doubt in my mind that he will push hard and he will be able to do just incredible things and that's that includes walking how long were you in hospital for
2: only a month actually so i was like i bad. guess pretty good all things considered yeah
7: long time but
2: well it's still long for con- being in a hospital but like considering my injury.
7: Gavin has been told his recovery journey will be long, but he's planning to get back on his feet one day.
2: My goal is to walk, so you know, that's what I'm going to strive for, and whatever I have to do to get there,
7: is, you know, I'm going to make that happen. <laughs> A GoFundMe page is raising money for Gavin's medical needs. As for his Notre Dame fans, they're with him all the way. The boys are honestly just dedicating this season to him, and uh, and they're working hard for him right now because he can't be with us every day.
4: Get well, stay strong, and come back. We need you.
7: Julia Foy, Global News. The Surrey
1: Board of Trade is calling for changes to Canada's federal pension programs to better meet the demands of today's financial climate. The board says there are currently more than 15 million Canadians who are not part of a pension plan that need to be looked after in retirement.
5: We need innovation around the whole pension system. Uh, There's 20 million Canadians that uh, really don't have a uh, pension support, and yet our population is getting older. The livability of our cities, uh, which is about economic development, is being impacted as a result of not enough supports
1: uh, for our aging population. Among their recommendations, the Board of Trade says they are looking for the federal government to better protect and support private sector pension programs and help improve financial literacy through defined programs. B.C.'s first Walk of Honour to commemorate Ukrainians killed in the Russian invasion happened this afternoon in downtown Vancouver. Supporters gathered in Vancouver's Jack Pool Plaza. The walk took place in various parts of the province, including Nanaimo, Kelowna and Castlegar. Organizers say that almost 80% of Ukrainians have had friends or relatives killed due to the conflict and that it is important to remember the human cost of war. We are going to express our gratitude and we are going to support those that are still in Ukraine, continue to fight, continue to heal those that are grieving the loss of the loved ones, those who are volunteering, those who are um, helping medical doctors, uh, surgeons, uh, Um, everyone who is contributing in their own way to the Ukrainian victory in this horrific war. Proceeds from the walk will be used towards shipping medical supplies and equipment to Ukraine. Still to come, safe and sobering space. The new centre opening in Prince George for people who are intoxicated and how it hopes to help those struggling with addictions. Plus... Using drones to move medical supplies and samples, the Canadian hospital is thinking outside the box to streamline deliveries. The city of Kelowna has been given the green light to borrow millions of dollars to build and upgrade a number of recreational facilities. As Victoria Femia reports, it's a decision that thousands of people don't agree with, but not enough to stop the process.
9: The city of Kelowna plans to borrow $241 million and that's not sitting well with thousands of residents.
10: It's an astronomical amount of money and and I'm disappointed that our elected officials would use the AAP process for this.
9: The borrowing is through an alternative approval process, which allows municipalities to advance projects or ideas without public input. And now this money will be used to upgrade local recreational facilities, including Parkinson Rec Center, something Kelowna residents say they don't think is a bad idea while admitting they weren't aware
11: this was happening.
9: You haven't heard about the alternative approval process, about what's going to happen here yet, have you?
11: No, not until now. (laughs) That's a lot to build a new building. Despite
9: what the money is being used for, the problem for many is they say the city didn't do enough to advertise what exactly an AAP is. I think it wasn't advertised very well. They had three sessions uh, during the summer,
8: during working hours. Uh, In one session we were outside and it was 39 degrees. And uh, then of course they had the smoke and it was hard to find on the website.
9: And I think the AAP form itself had a lot of deficiencies. Less than 5,000 residents voted in opposition of the AAP, which is below the minimum 12,000 required responses to halt the borrowing. Bellamy believes collecting that many ballots would have been next to impossible.
10: Six out of eight councillors that were elected in the last election didn't even receive 12,000 votes. And that's when they've spent tens of thousands of dollars on campaigns, they've got campaign teams, they're knocking door to door, and they couldn't even get 12,000 votes. To expect the average citizens to go out and collect 12,000 votes, it's, it's impossible.
9: According to the city, the $241 million represents 84% of the total project cost, which means homeowners will see a bump in taxes of $20 a year for five years. Global News has reached out to the city for further comment, but did not receive a response. However, council will receive the results of the AAP at their Monday meeting. Victoria Femia, Global News, Kelowna. The union representing
1: elevator workers across B.C. says it has been served a lockout notice, potentially impacting tens of thousands of buildings and construction sites. International Union of Elevator Constructors Local 82 says if the lockout is imposed, they will keep hospital and long-term care elevators operational. Workers could be locked out as of Tuesday by four multinational employers. That's Otis, Schindler, Kone, and TK Elevate. Negotiations broke down on Thursday due to an unagreeable wage offer and the employers ask of concessionary language. There are about 900 union members affected. A new sobering center has opened its doors in Prince George for people who find themselves intoxicated with nowhere to go. The center is operated by the Carrier Sakani Family Services and Northern Health. It opened this week with 10 beds for people 18 and over who are intoxicated by drugs or alcohol. The shelter gives them a place to stay in the heart of the city where they can keep their belongings, have a snack and have a shower.
8: We have a lot of folks that are in and around Prince George on the streets that have really no place to go when they're vulnerable so intoxicated from drugs or alcohol and when they're vulnerable it really is important that they have some place where people can look out for them where they can have
6: rest but what we do is offer support that people can come in here have a nice place to sleep and then be connected to services once they're ready to leave.
1: For now, the centre is open four nights per week from Thursday to Sunday. They hope to eventually expand to 24 hour services. Some healthcare administrators in Canada are looking to the sky to get lab results faster. Drones are being used to deliver medical supplies and samples between two Ontario hospitals. Naomi Bargiel has more about what this advancement means for the future of healthcare. Drones can now get your lab
12: samples processed faster. That's according to an Ontario hospital network using drones to transport medical supplies and samples such as blood tests. The pilot project using drones between hospitals is a first in Canada. Halton Healthcare and Drone Delivery Canada announced their six-month agreement on Thursday. The drone delivery follows a two-way transportation link between Milton District Hospital and Oakville Travolger Memorial Hospital. Halton Healthcare Senior Vice President Hilary Rodriguez says that without the limitation of traffic, drones are quicker and more reliable than other vehicles. That means a better outcome for patients.
4: The sooner those vital results can be communicated back uh, to the bedside, the uh, quicker um, care can be delivered.
12: The hospital network and drone company are working on getting Transport Canada's approval to fly beyond the visual line of sight. Doing so would mean drones could deliver medical supplies to more rural communities. Drone Delivery Canada CEO Steve Magirius says drones can bypass a lot of the challenges that make medical access in underserved communities difficult.
4: The drones, obviously, given their nature that they can fly over traffic, over areas where you can't traverse uh, with roads,
3: um, I think the opportunities are endless.
12: Magirius also says that when it comes down to drones soaring over your head, There's nothing to be afraid of. The hospital network's drones are equipped with parachutes for safety. In terms of any concerns about surveillance, Majeria says the drones are not built with any cameras and are used exclusively for delivery. Naomi Bargiel, Global News.
1: Coming up, a spectacular ring of fire. Where the clouds parted ways and made way for a stunning solar eclipse. And when we might see the next one. Well, it was a sight to see. The solar eclipse lit up the morning sky in parts of the region. Take a look at this. A Global News viewer sent in the spectacular footage from the View Royal Area in Victoria. And in Whistler, the eclipse was shining bright through the clouds. And if you'll take a look at what the folks in the U.S. were able to witness, at least wherever the skies were clear, as they were in San Antonio, from Utah to Texas, the moon slowly moved in front of the sun, turning day into night and exposing the so-called ring of fire, where the moon doesn't quite block out all the sun. And what an incredible and stunning view of that sun, Steph. I know you were out this morning trying to look at it, but uh, alas clouds gone the way. Not
8: much luck. Those clouds were socked in but a lot of people Langley, Abbotsford as well as this one photo that was sent in from White Rock close to the border there saw at least partial eclipse and a break in those clouds. So we saw a little bit of a break today that lull but now we do have uh, some stormy conditions ahead of us. We've got a series of rainstorms making its way across the lower mainland. Vancouver Island west side really saw some heavy rain today. We're going to continue to see that the overnight tonight so the rain is on and it will ease off through the overnight 16 degrees it's these gusty winds southeasterlies through the overnight tonight all along the coast we had some uh, very gusty conditions and we will take a look at these peak winds right here as you can see Tofino southeasterlies peaking at 61 kilometers per hour Comox even through the interior regions and we're going to see that again ahead of the next rainstorm which is coming in on your Sunday night into Monday so a soaker coming in starting late day to Tomorrow, there's a look at your forecast for tomorrow. So we get cloudy skies to start your Sunday, temperatures above seasonal, and then that rain picks up into the late afternoon. So another rainstorm coming in tomorrow. We've got rain through the overnight tonight easing off. Here's a look at the totals as we get into Monday. So heavy rain at times, gusty conditions, very windy, especially along those waterways. So we'll see the winds ease off tomorrow late morning, and then they're gonna pick up again as we get into Monday ahead of this front so offshore winds going to be very strong and we are expecting a lot of moisture so here's northern BC tomorrow showers for Terrace clearing skies chance of showers Prince George 14 degrees up through the BC piece were mild still in the double digits there uh, Whistler is going to be seeing quite a bit of rainfall clearing skies and then those showers move in through the evening hours for much of the interior Castlegar at 18 golden at 13 degrees and Vancouver Island is going to be very wet and windy especially around Campbell River, Comox, uh, Sunshine Coast. Get ready for the rain. Get those umbrellas on deck and hold on to them as those winds pick up, especially into your day on Monday. It's going to be a bit of a soaker, a break, and then another round of rain coming on Wednesday. Back to you.
1: All right. Thanks, Steph. Thanks for joining us on the Supper Show tonight. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, one of BC's last family-run resorts has been sold to American interests. Mike Weigel Helicopter Skiing has been operating in Blue River since 1970, when Weigel arrived in BC, helping establish backcountry skiing in the province. It markets itself as a five-star resort to well-heeled European and American skiers. The resort is being bought by Altera Mountain Company out of Denver. And it's weird to think that winter is just a few months away.
10: <laughs> like just. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty adventurous to do that kind of skiing. T- I like the Apres ski. Après.
1: I like
8: Apres yeah. as well. Yeah. We can all- you, you gotta better, work
10: hard I'm, I'm to better deserve at it. it. <laughs> I know. I don't work. I don't deserve it. <laughs>
8: it
1: doesn't count if you don't deserve it. I don't Many deserve years it. of experience, right?
10: Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. Um, what do we have going on in sports? Well,
10: the Canucks after that big 8-1 win the other night. They are in Edmonton now to play the Oilers. So we expect that Edmonton might have a bit of a response. One notable lineup change for the Canucks. We'll tell you about that here from Rick Tockett. uh, Coming up, Connor Bedard's playing his first Saturday hockey night in Canada in Montreal. He hasn't scored yet, but he is buzzing around. That kid is so fun to watch. We'll have highlights of that coming up. And also uh, at the golf on the PGA Tour in Las Vegas, all sorts of BC guys at the top of the leaderboards. We'll have big highlights from there coming up too.
1: So much local BC Mm -hmm. talent, thanks. Thanks, Barry. Well, still ahead, Gazan's race against the clock. Fear overseas and here in Canada, as loved ones grow increasingly worried about whether their family will be able to get out safely. An independent UN-appointed human rights expert is calling on the international community to urgently mediate a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. Carolyn Currie de Castillo has more from a Calgary couple born in Gaza wondering if their family members will get out alive.
2: Every day the conversations with family living in Gaza get shorter as it becomes harder to find a place to charge a phone. Tamar Jarada and his wife were both born in Gaza. He moved to Calgary to complete his Ph.D. in computer science, but his family still lives there.
13: When I talked to my dad this morning, he's saying goodbye every time. Same for Wafa's family.
10: Yeah.
13: They are saying goodbye. They are just asking us to look after each other and say hi to the kids. And, yeah, that's the... That's the way we end our calls, every day.
2: The couple was just in Gaza over the summer. Neighborhoods they used to walk through are unrecognizable now. Wafa's sister's home has been damaged, but she survived. I was watching the news and I saw her building were destroyed. Tamar's parents and his uncle's family are crowded into one apartment because their homes were both damaged.
13: They they said we don't have any place in in southern Gaza. Where can we go? We we, we can't go there. So they stayed because they have no option. They can't. Uh, streets are destroyed. So they can't even take a car and go go there.
2: Tamar worries it's just not possible for this many people to leave. Also not possible, he says, is for two million people living in the kind of conditions those in Gaza are living in and expect peace.
13: I would say 90% of uh, of people in Gaza are living day to day, which means if they can't work today, they can put food on the table by the end of the day.
2: The couple's family say food and water are running out. The United Nations says it's become a matter of life and death.
13: When I talked to my dad, I asked him, how are you doing? Yeah. And they said, just staying, waiting for something to happen. It's so
2: An independent U.N.-appointed human rights expert is calling on the international community to urgently mediate a ceasefire. Carolyn Curry de Castillo, Global News.
1: Still ahead, Barry DeLay is here next as the Canucks are in Edmonton and Brock Besser plays his 400th game. Plus, an update on BC Lions Vernon Adams Jr. and whether he'll be okay for the playoffs. Celebrate the spooky season at Central Park. The Halloween celebration is free fun for everyone, including a spooky outdoor maze, carnival games, a photo booth, food trucks, and a fireworks finale. Let your taste buds run wild at Cornucopia, Whistler's annual fall festival of food and drink, with over 100 events for festival goers, including tastings, culinary demonstrations, winemaking dinners, and more. For Our BC, I'm Yvonne Schell.
3: Our BC is brought to you by Return It Express. Got empty drink containers? Don't trash them. Make sure to hold on to them until you can return it for recycling.
1: Very delay is it now with sports. Vancouver Canucks playing Edmonton Mm -hmm. regular season.
10: Right. Game. Well, I mean, they beat the Oilers badly, of course, in their opener. But sometimes if you have to play that team again right away, it's hard to do it twice in a row. But. It's going to be a good test, and uh, the Canucks are up for it. All right, thanks so much, uh, Krista. Vancouver Canucks in Edmonton tonight, and Casey DeSmith is going to get the starting goal for Vancouver. Rick Tockett saying the plan was either for DeSmith to play tonight in Edmonton or Tuesday in Philadelphia, and he figured he'd go with Smith tonight seeing how Thatcher Demko was battling the flu all week. But the good news is it looks like that flu bug is on its way out.
3: We had about seven, eight guys go through it, so at okay. kinda of, hopefully he's the last guy. Yeah. Um, you know, he obviously got some rest the other day. He's, he's on the ice now. But, um, yeah, no, and quite frankly, we are going to get Casey Smith in here, whether it was tonight or the next game. Uh, you know, he's had a really good camp. He deserves to play, too
10: and highlights of that one tonight at 11. Meanwhile on the farm Abbotsford Canucks off to a nice start. They won 7-4 last night. Just won again for three. Tristan Nielsen had three goals. The hat trick. So it's a 2-0 start for Abby. They play their home opener next Friday versus the Calgary Wranglers. NHL tonight and the Connor the Dark Show stops in Montreal. First hockey night in Canada game for the young star center stage in one of hockey's most passionate markets. Mom and dad and sister in attendance again tonight. Connor, great chance. here. fired it wide though it is not easy being a hockey parent of a young superstar a lot of anguish scoreless after one second period bedard just keeps firing four shots on ten attempts but can't find the net for another goal meanwhile former canuck tanner pearson Gets his uh, first goal as a Hab coming late. Fires the wrister pass Peter Morazic. 2-0 Canadians late second. Bedard shooting yet again. This time though fires high and the Habs will take it back the other way. And it's the former uh, Calgary Flames Sean Monahan who zips it home. It's a shorthanded goal. 3-0 at that point. It's now 3-1. Bedard has yet to score, but man has he been buzzing all night. Flames starting a road trip in uh, Pittsburgh. No scoring in this one. Until late second, it's on a Calgary power play. Matt Coronado, his first NHL goal. Flames first round pick from 2021, starred in college hockey at Harvard. So it's 1-0 Flames after two, but it all fell apart in the third for the Flames. Pittsburgh scored twice in the opening minute, including this one by the former Golden Knight, Riley Smith, of Genny Malkin with the nice setup. 4-2 now, Pens, very late. In the third, Rick Bonus and the Winnipeg Jets playing their home opener against Florida. Second period, 2-1 Panthers. But Mark Scheifele, great play, swoops behind the net, finds Kyle Connor, rips it past Sergei Bobrovsky. It's 2-2. And then another great forecheck by the Jets. Rasmus Kupari is stopped on this play, but Morgan Barron will pot the rebound, and the Jets have themselves a lead at 3-2 and then 90 seconds later back for more. Dylan DeMello coming in from the point will snap it in from the slot. Jets win their first of the season 6-4 over the Panthers who now drop to 0-2. And Maple Leafs and Wild. Austin Matthews got a hat trick in his opening game against the Canadians and the goals keep coming. Snipes at home there. That's his first. He actually has two in the first period five on the season then William Nylander beautiful play here to swoop in and make the deep three one for the Leafs and uh, actually they'll keep coming here if we'll keep the score going watch Matthews on the wraparound another hat trick watch out Connor McDavid uh, Matthews wants that Rocket Richard trophy back seven three you saw the score for the Leafs they're gonna bet on Toronto take the over because they score a lot All right, PGA Tour in Las Vegas and the BC contingent is all over the first page of the leaderboard. Adam Hadwin gets things rolling. Abbotsford uh, golfer here at the 14th, knocks in the birdie putt, gets to 13 under, and he is tied for the lead. Ontario's Taylor Pendrith also in the mix. He needs a good fall schedule to secure his tour card for next year. He's struggled a bit this year, but has it going this week. Check out that beautiful chip shot. Leads to a birdie and Pendrith is at 14 under par, and he is tied for fourth. We'll go out as the second-last pairing on Sunday. Surrey's Adam Svensson played with Adam Hadwin today, and like Hadwin, had an excellent round here at the par-5 16th. That's an eagle for Svensson. He's tied for seventh at 13 under, just two off the lead. Back to Hadwin now at the 17th great view of the 217 yard par three tee shot and this is his best shot of the day asking for a little kick left please and the ball listens it doesn't always listen as we know this just keeps getting better and better settled to less than three feet away and Hadwin. Would make the birdie putt to get back into a tie for the lead. And then at 18, a short one here to take the outright lead. Oh, but it won't go down. Still an eight under 63 for Hadwin. Tied for first with defending champ Tom Kim and American Lanto Griffin. Nick Taylor took a while to get his round going today, but then caught fire on the back. tee shot here on the par 3 14th. That is nice. Gets to a 13 under after he rolled that in for birdie. And then at the 15th, He's going to have another birdie putt. And this one goes down, so Taylor just one back of the lead which is uh, occupied by his buddy Adam Hadwin, but then disaster on the par three 17th. He's not liked this hole that much. On Thursday, it looked like he hit a good shot, but that green is so firm it went into the water. Similar today, but that's too far left and uh, that wasn't a good swing by Nick. Ended up making double bogey. So he's at 12 under, still tied for 11th, only three back, but Hadwin is tied for first, Spence in seventh. So lots to look forward to Sunday in Vegas. The Lions are still alive for first in the West after their 33-30 win in Hamilton last night. B.C. has just one game left next Friday versus Calgary. And the Stampeders need to win that game to keep their playoff hopes alive. So it will be an intense game. Vernon Adams Jr. may or may not play. He tweaked his knee last night, the same one that kept him out a couple of weeks earlier this season. The Lions will be careful with him, but initial reaction is he would be okay for playoffs, which uh, don't start until November 6th. Um, I I am not a doctor, surprisingly, but um, I'm thinking it's not long term. Yeah, I think he, I he I think if he 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 probably could he 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 would have gone back in the game. <laughs> I told him you're not because he couldn't move around. I said you're not going back in. But we have we'll see about this week with coming up. But between the last game and then we have a bye week, it gives us some time for him to to recover. And we're not thinking it's a long term thing. So we'll hope that that's the case. World Cup of Rugby from France, quarterfinals, Argentina-Wales, Argentina had the lead until Thomas Williams will burst through, takes it in for the try, 17-12 Welsh, but the Pumas charge back. They led by two and then seal it on this steal by Nicholas Sanchez, races in for the try and Argentina is going to the semifinals. They knock off Wales 29-17. In the other quarterfinals today, world number one, Ireland, taking on New Zealand, two great teams. The All Blacks jumped out to a 13-0 early lead, but the Irish come back. It's New Zealand-born Bundy Aki, who gets the Irish back in it, takes it in for the try, and it's 18-17, but New Zealand shows their quality in the late-going perfect execution of the lineout. Richie Mwongo with blazing speed, Perfect delivery to Will Jordan, who a uh, great support run takes it in for the try in New Zealand, knock off Ireland 28-24. So they'll meet Argentina in the semis and we'll tell you about some soccer Canadian Premier League Pacific off out of Vancouver Island beat uh, Wanderers in Halifax one nil. So Pacific is going to play in the semifinals versus cavalry next Saturday in Calgary. And if they win that they'll play for the championship again, Canucks 7:10 face-off tonight in Edmonton, and we'll have highlights at 11. Well,
1: of course, we'll be watching mm-hmm. for that and seeing if uh...
10: see if they can score eight more. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not as much. Maybe not eight.
1: We'll take a win.
10: Yeah, I think they will take that too. Okay.
1: All right. Thanks so much, Barry. Well, still to come, we'll head to the UBC Apple Festival as rebound as they re- as farmers rather rebound from this summer's devastating fires and the big push to buy local. But well, whether you like the sweetness of the Fuji or prefer the tartness of a pink lady, apples of all sorts are ready to be picked and admired out at UBC today with more than 100 different varieties on display. But as Sophia Pirani reports, the festival comes as growers are increasingly contending with challenging growing seasons.
11: The UBC Botanical Garden came alive Saturday afternoon with the sound of fall and the taste and smell of freshly grown apples from Royal Gala to Granny Smith, Pink Lady and BC's very own Ambrosia. Now in its 32nd year, the Apple Festival gives people of all ages the opportunity to learn about the diversity of the fruit in a fun way. We have um,
9: 32,000 pounds of apples with over 60 varieties that you can buy. So you're not gonna get that at any of your local grocery stores. We also have 44 different types of apple trees that you can buy. Um, We have the BC fruit testers who have the largest apple display, I'm gonna say in the world. I'll go on, I'll, I'll say in the world. And you could bring in an apple from your backyard
11: and they will help you identify that. This year, the festival is driving home the message of supporting local growers who have felt the impacts from another devastating wildfire season and prolonged drought and are adapting to changing landscapes.
4: And it has certainly become more extreme in the sense that we've had to deal with um, atmospheric conditions like smoke and that sort of thing. But generally speaking, it's, 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 chall- it's certainly challenging and causes us to be much more aware of things like uh, water availability for irrigation, we fortunately have a huge aquifer in our valley.
11: Proceeds from the event go towards UBC Botanical Garden's climate change and biodiversity research. And with autumn being peak season for apples, there's a variety of ways you can get creative with your bunch, like making some pie, cider and jam. People who were kids 20 years ago are coming back with their own young families now. And so it's become an anticipated annual family event and we love that. There's nothing like bringing the community together over some delicious fruit. Zafia Parani, Global News.
1: A great event. Sounds like um, everyone got their you know, share of apples there.
10: The apple of our, of our eye. It's you guys. <laughs> there, yeah.
1: Yeah. Aww. I'll I like get f- good old Granny Smith
8: dipped in <laughs> peanut butter.
1: Yeah, that's my favorite too. Um, weather wise, not a bad
8: day. Well, no, it's it's getting but- stormy out there tonight. Oh. We've got a uh, heavy rain coming in through the overnight, but then easing into the early morning hours, and then another round tomorrow, and then another one after that. Mm. So oh, okay. enjoy the lulls.
10: Better eat an apple. <laughs>
8: yeah. Stay home no and eat apples. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for watching.